some stuff uh, recently and half of it was all degraded hard and falling apart yeah it's the, the type of rubber that it is it starts to lose its oil over time and the desert with our dry environment it uh, it degrades faster so so wha- wacky wall walkers are not forever no only only yeah only temporary yeah I mean, I had one that lasted a good couple years back in Kansas, but uh, then that, it did exactly what you're talking that about. That glove went a couple years, but it eventually died. Now, what glove is this? It's a it's a pet grooming glove. That, uh, <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay, it's, it's that same kind of wacky wall walker material, but when you brush it across your pet, it, it takes picks the up hair. the hair. Yeah, and then you just wash it under the water, and it and it still remains sticky. That's yeah. that's a hell. Even if it only lasts a couple years, it's pretty impressive. Not to mention you've lost, looks like you've lost a lot of little comb well, pieces. That's because it, it got hard. I can't, I can't hear what he's saying. Thank you. It got hard <laughs> and then fell off. Walk hard. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 560. Hard. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Hard K. <laughs> Weird to talk week and geek. I don't know if those nicknames are getting better or worse. It's. Oh, I was just doing my Dewey Cox impression. Oh, I know you were doing I'm talking about the <laughs> oh. case thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's not always about you, Jeff. Yeah, talk hard. <laughs> <laughs> hard down lives. <laughs> yeah. Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? <sighs> wow. That was very uh, exasperated sigh there. Yeah, I watched some football. Yeah, me too. There you go. Oh, good. What geeky things you do this week, John? <laughs> uh, I watched a movie called Polar. Polar. Uh, it's based yeah. on a dark horse graphic novel called Polar Came from the Cold by Victor Santos. I had to look it up, so I made sure I Polar I took notes. Came from the Cold is the whole that's, name of the that's comic? That's the name of the t- comic. Polar, colon, based on... Uh, polar, polar, colon. Excuse polar, colon. Me, sorry. Polar, do colon. She hates that. Came from the Cold. That's, <laughs> that's the name of the comic. I looked up the cover only to if, make sure. Todd, Todd, only if you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Use lubrication, people. That's, that's all we're saying. Uh, it it was a fun little movie. Uh, the story it's about an assassin who is retiring. Mads and Mikkelsen. The the, the comp- yeah Mads. Uh, how do you oh, how do you pronounce it? Oh, he's oh I like him. Yeah, he's yeah. he's good in this. And um, the company that he works for has this uh, funds matching retirement account thing. So like you you contribute and they match it, and uh-huh. then you don't get to draw it till you retire. Well. The guy that runs the company has decided the best way to fund this is by killing off the assassins before they retire, or like right after they retire, so he doesn't have to pay them. Yeah. Um, he, anyway, he thinks there's the th- background theme in all of this, right? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's like a week from retirement or two weeks from retirement when the movie starts, and uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. It has some very sensitive moments and there's a little bit of humor in there. There's some mixed over together. the top violence. Yes. Over the top violence. It has hints of like a John wick without being as over the top violent, like hyperkinetic, like, hyperkinetic, like John wick. So, okay. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's on Netflix and Vanessa Hudgens in a very mature, actually 
Yeah. Very good role. Nice performance. Very nice performance. She plays a traumatized woman and does a real nice job of it. Yeah, and they, they, they slowly reveal the trauma throughout the movie, but I don't want to say more than that because there's there's things that happen. Yes, I hope so. But, uh, yeah, I, I you know, it's... Just don't want a Jim Jarmusch film here. <laughs> it's it's a it's a universal picture, but I don't think it was a theatrical release because I don't remember seeing anything about it. But it was it was co-produced by Dark Horse Productions. So yeah, because usually that's something that tends to make our news, especially right. comic books that aren't superhero yeah. based that are being de- developed into yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, and especially Dark Horse producing a movie. Based on a comic that they own, yeah. So, what yeah. a what a sneaky little bitch. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I think you'll admit, Kay, or you'll agree, Kay, that that all of the actors that were in it yes. were just Everybody spot was on, great. perfect. Everybody yeah. was great. Um, I can't remember the the blonde lady's name. That's the coordinator. Yeah, um, Jennifer. But uh, Reginald. She. Um, Reginald. I've seen her in something before, but I could. I had to look yes. it up on EM, <clears throat> IMDb. I think it was like on episode of well, House it, or something. It, actually, but. except for. Uh, Mads, everyone's like that. Yeah. I sat there looking at Vanessa Hudgens for like, who the hell is this? Who is this? And then when I finally checked it out, because she's not glammed up. No. And it's it it was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. It you know, really threw me. Yeah, they, they really um, dressed her down to make her own yeah. that, that traumatized yeah. role. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I recommend it. It's, you, uh, you get to see... Uh, Johnny Knoxville get killed. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right at the beginning. Yeah, like right at the beginning of the movie. And I'm like, you, I saw him in the credits. I'm like, oh, Johnny Knoxville's in this. <laughs> and then he was, I was like, oh, it's one yeah. of those kind of. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, ever since. Uh, Drew Barrymore will be played. By yeah, I was going to say, ever since uh, they did that with Scream, it, uh, you know, it's kind of become the thing. You'll get a, you'll get a star that maybe is not top billing, but middle billing. And you're like, oh, I know who that is. And they're only like a day's worth of shooting on the yeah. film. So. Yeah, I still remember that with Drew Barrymore. Right. That made my yeah, eyes. That was, the, that was Wes Craven's psycho moment. Yeah. Yep. I was just like, wait a minute. What? What's your favorite scary movie? So, yeah. Uh, God almighty. And that one's been around for a while, too. Andy I, and I watched yeah. that like oh, a year ago. I was going to say, I think it's been in my queue for about a year. Yeah. But, oh, uh, okay. Wow. I thought this was recent. I, no. Well, no, no, I no. mean, it's something I recently discovered, but yeah. I was surprised I'd heard nothing about it because... It's, it's Yeah, it's been around. In fact, I think Andy and I, th- this is how far back it oh, goes. Geez. I think Andy and I talked about it on this uh, show. <laughs> so uh, did so, you? We, so you brought it up on the show and didn't remember I, it. Yeah. Well, you know, you, uh, you, I don't remember half of what we talk about. Yeah. Five but minutes after Todd we didn't remember either. And so. I wrote notes. So there you go. Unless it wasn't Andy, I might be confusing him with Vernon, but I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see how. Um, not really. <laughs> what else you do, guys? I got the latest issue of Knights of the Dinner Table. Always that, a good time. That was fun. I, I don't have much more to say That's all than right. that, you know. But uh, that I did a lot of shit. This what? Week. Yeah, a lot. A lot. Did you Gloomhaven at all? I did Gloomhaven a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Gloomhaven. Yeah. How'd it go? It, it, at first, it went great, and the second half, I, it, Gloomhaven showed me that I too can be a humble person. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth happened? Oh my god. 
Uh, okay, we're going to get some Gloomhaven talk here. Uh, so Kay and I played this last Friday. Uh, we tried to do two scenarios of play session. Yeah. So the first one went swimmingly yep. in the Frost Caverns, we're, Frost Demons, you know, no problem. We're kings. Right? But the next one, usually thus far in Gloomhaven, all the scenarios have been kill all the monsters. Yes. So, okay, we easy. Uh, we found one that wasn't that, and it ended up being our demise. Yeah. It was one where we had to, we were, it, it seems like it's right up my alley because it's picking flowers. Yes, it is. Right? So it, it's exactly. picking flowers. So for a, some magician, some, some sorceress. Yes. Uh, we had to go pick up her favorite herbs for her magic thingy. Yeah. And it's in uh, the, like a, a nice, beautiful glade called like the, the, the vibrant, the vibrant grotto. Yeah. Right. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, let's do the vibrant grotto. It's it's an early number. It should be easy. Yep. And you have to go through each room and pick up the treasure chest in each of the rooms of the right. scenario. Uh, there are six rooms. And you can only pick them up with a certain card that you right. have in your hand. So it's normally you can pick up treasure by landing on the hex at the end of your turn. That has it. Yes. And at the end of the turn, it's yours. But this one specified you've got to use an action card to do it. So we open up the first room. There's a couple of cave bears. Uh, Kay and I have dealt with cave bears before, eh. right? And then some new things, some 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 fairy creature. Oh, fairy. Right. And so we're like, well, you know what? Let's just split up. You go that way. I'm going to go this way. And we're just going to run through and try to pick up all the treasure chests. Because another thing was the map was not linear. The map actually was circular. Oh, okay. All right. And bigger than any map we tackled thus far. Bigger, bigger. Uh, it turns out what? that cave what? bears uh, make you stay where you are. <laughs> they, cave, they pin you. Cave bears are hideous. They, they move really fast. And they have multiple attacks that just pin you to where you're at. And so that's all I did was play with a couple of bears. <laughs> he sat in that room for the whole thing while Kay jets off. <laughs> I'm running my ass off. And explores all of the rest of the caves. The fairy is cursing and beating the shit out of Todd. So I'm like, fuck the fairies. And I'm like running around and trying to avoid them. <laughs> and I, and I'm skipping room to room just like oh uh, and eventually I was like well fuck this I mean Todd is sitting there immobilized the fuck immobilized and he's getting the shit oh I I, I think I'm gonna have to rest it he's getting the shit kicked out of him <laughs> the bear's just playing with him at that Dude. point. <laughs> Dude, I was that I was that weird rubber ball you see in the zoo. Yeah. You were you were DiCaprio in the in that movie where the mm. bear's just going at him. <laughs> yeah, but with two of them and much more playful and sinister. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they you know they had the nunchucks and they were just. Uh, but eventually, about halfway through, we're like we're 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 fucked. Yes, we are fucked in this. So we were like, um, tell you what, let's just turn this into a recon because you don't die die. Okay. When when the when when you fail the scenario, so it's sort of like okay, we'll treat this as a recon, and we'll know what we're dealing with next time. So I started running while while Todd did the job of distracting two bears and a, Being a good job fairy. as a bear pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> I ran from uh, hex board to hex board, just just okay, all right, chest 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 chest, and I ran the complete circle where I would have met Todd. 
where I the first room I was supposed to go in that I never got to. <laughs> that he never got to. And then I got there and I'm like, well, we're we're still we're still playing. So I picked up the chest there. And then I ran, ran, ran. Todd's getting the shit kicked out of him. Still. I run into another room, pick up the second no. Yeah, the second the last chest. And I'm all of a sudden thinking, I might I might trump this motherfucker. I might be Trump in 2016. I, I went into this thinking I'm going to lose, and I just might win. We might we might pull this off. Right. It was real close. And 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 Todd finally met his demise. Yep. Bears got tired. Ripped the shit out of me. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, you know what? I I'm I'm gonna pull a. a I'm gonna start doing my burn cards. I'm gonna run like hell. I'm gonna hit like hell, and all because the scenario ends in a victory. As soon as you pick up that last chest, you don't have to escape or anything. I just need to get next to that chest and play the loot card, and we're done. And I ran out of the room into a hallway connecting to the next room, the last room, and I got buried i was smothered guess what was in that next room a bear bears <laughs> a bear <laughs> yeah a shaman the same goddamn bears that attacked me <laughs> a pixie fairy and uh, and two uh earth demons yes and oh, they were geez. literally they were literally i should have taken a picture of that <laughs> they were yeah they was... were literally encircling me and oh, wow and i was like i got hit with an immobilize that's exactly what happened a bear and i can't move because i was going to Beat the shit out of one, and then use a special card to haul ass into the next room, and then the next turn, because I would have moved faster than anybody, the next turn, I could have moved to that chest, dumped the loot card, and we could have won. Yeah. But I got immobilized. By a bear. By a bear. You got Vigoed. I got Vigoed. The moral of the story to everyone who's listening, everyone who may play Gloomhaven, is respect the cave bears. Do... Dude, just, dude, respect bears in general. <laughs> I mean, in in fiction or in real life, you know. You see, because because when you think of bears, you think of them as large, lumbering. Oh beast. no! But no, the game knows that bears actually move very fast. Yes. and have created the appropriate cards for them. I, yes. I've seen enough wildlife videos that I know how bears are. In fact, I remember when we uh, in scouts when we used to uh, camp out in Colorado. One of the camps uh, camp. Um, I don't want to say campsites, but camp ground areas. I mean, it, there's like a hundred and something odd acres. Um, it's in the mountains, and there's bears, and they they tell you flat out. It's like, don't try to outrun a bear. You know, the best thing that you can do is try to make yourself look big, and you know, see if you make enough noise, it might run away. But you know, they they go through the whole list of things that you you should do if you encounter a bear. Um, typically, if you slowly back away, they'll leave you alone because they don't want to attack you any more than than you want them to attack you. Uh, but if you encroach on their territory or they got a baby with them, they will come after you. And they say, and don't let their size fool you. They are fast, and yeah. they are faster than you. Right. Yeah. It's not like not, an otter. Yeah. Right. Not not to mention the power that's behind them because all of that bulk is mostly muscle. But if you see a bear with an otter, leave them alone. Yeah. Consenting adults have the right to do what they like to do. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> What's really fun too is, and I went looking around because I'm like, how have people beat this motherfucker? And there did, were ton- did you? Is that what brought you on that yeah. search? Because all of a sudden, like a few days later, Kurt Kay's like, oh, here's some rules we're not getting right. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oops, oops, oops. And uh, how are they doing it? And it was really funny because most of them were complaints about the, you know, you could only use the loot card. And uh, there were some people who were proposing, yeah, just do an adjustment to the rules. And because that one's that one's a fucked up scenario. I refuse. And, the rules. And it was really funny. But then I got caught up in another series of rules and I found out that we we've been playing a little bit wrong. Okay. But you know what? This is expected in tabletop gaming. <laughs> this right. from the guy, you know, we have to play by the rules. Exactly. And and <laughs> and I concur. I, I'm very much a stickler. It's what the rule says. It has to be that way. Uh, but the, the fact is, the more complex game that you play on the tabletop, yeah. and there's lots of really complex games out there, uh, you will mess up on the rules. Oh, yeah. And eventually you'll discover and go, oh, course correction and will probably happen multiple times you will probably play a game many times before getting it properly right well i've watched enough tabletop to know that rules are very difficult to incorporate into the game because everybody thinks they read it right and then suddenly they realize halfway through their fourth or fifth game oh we've been doing this wrong the whole time or you forget something right it's fun uh one of the uh YouTube channels and just kind of online entities that I really enjoy is called Shut Up and Sit Down. Yes. They're board game reviews when it comes down to it. Uh, but they do the occasional live game on Twitch, or at least used to before this whole thing happened. Now they do some digital stuff on there in, in lieu of. And it's it's fun because you'll watch them play and someone is monitoring the chat because the chat is basically the rules errata yeah. to point out when they're doing something wrong. Uh, yeah, just exploding. and yeah. Well, that's that's pretty much the comments with almost any live thing is just to point out what yeah. you're doing wrong. Which, <laughs> which is what we, we needed because the, the thing that really sucks, Jeff, is um, we've been playing that you can heal, right? And healing can give you hit points or... It can remove a status effect. Okay. The bear that immobilized me and therefore pretty much killed my ass, because I was at one hit point of all things, too. That, that was the other thing, Jeff. We were on the verge of getting this, and I was on one hit point. It would have been glorious. It was. It, it would have been a, a. It wasn't, though. I stunned that bear. Oh. And then I ran and grabbed the treasure, and I had another round to run out, and I could have gotten away. But the shaman did a heal, heal nearest ally. So we applied the heal to the bear, and playing the way we did, we removed the uh, stun because, uh, you know, it removes a status effect. It turns out it does not. It removes another two status effects, wound and poison, but it doesn't remove the others. So that fucker was still stunned when we rolled that he immobilized me and I died. See, not knowing the rules really fucks you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much. So I could Unless you're super wealthy, then the rules yeah. mean nothing. Yeah, really. But I could have run the fuck away. And that was that was when I read that, I was like, oh! but then of course I think back to all the times we've removed status effects in lieu of healing uh, on okay. ourselves. So, you know, we did balances a, out. Oh, the yeah, end. <laughs> there, yeah, there was a there was a bunch like that. So it was just like, ah, but it uh, oh, it was so and it was really funny. I still remember when I'm like, 
you know, I think I can, I think I can pull this fucker off. If I just keep running and I, I keep long resting, I think I can do this. And, and Todd's like, okay, I'm dead. And, you know, I'm like, I, I think I can squeeze this fucker out. They're moving so slow. I think I can do it. Immobilize. Dun, 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 bear. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. The other big rule we discovered is, uh, remember uh, uh, the, the shirt Todd has that, you know, is the critical miss for Gloomhaven? Yeah, Kirsten, mm-hmm. Kirsten got me a t-shirt. It is the card that is the curse card. And underneath it says... Well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's now a lot of people interpret that as the critical miss. You flip that card, whatever you're doing totally fails. And the, it's the actual title is the null card. Mm-hmm. I read in the fucking rules that all the null card does is kill the hit points that you do. Any status effect that you do still applies oh so there were times when todd flipped the null card on himself when he flipped his own card right and he was like ah well that kills everything and actually it didn't kill everything he was doing but we've been interpreting that as a complete and total fuck you and but we've also been interpreting that for the monsters as yes, well. yes as well yeah. so we boy oh boy when you roll that null on the monsters it's like ah boy if this isn't an nbc saturday morning the more you know with the star <laughs> flying across the sky i don't know what is good <laughs> Uh, speaking of shut up and sit down, this weekend they had they every year they do a board game convention, usually in Canada. Uh-huh. Um, this this uh, enterprise is based out of England, uh, but this year they did something called Aw Shucks. Okay. Shucks. Shucks is the name of the event. Okay, uh, so it was an online version of it. Be- and their their whole thing was all these game makers are releasing and making these games that'll be out soon but they usually go to these board game conventions to get the word out to get people demonstrate and play them and and try to build buzz that way but you can't do that right now because uh, no conventions can happen right now right well i guess some can happen I, apparently there was one here in town to, this week yeah but board game conventions with everybody yeah up no close kind of yeah. Looking at each other, not a good idea. Board game in, in conventions would be nigh impossible yes. right now, or should be at it, least. It, yeah. So they decided to do an online one, and they used Tabletopia for the demonstrations. So they did three days of live events through Twitch uh, with uh, various game designers and the guys, play, the guys of Shut Up and Sit Down, playing games with other designers and other uh, YouTubers that are board game based. Uh, but they introduced me to Tabletopia doing this. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, a lot of people out there are familiar with uh, Tabletop. That's the, uh, it's a, you, it's on Steam, and I think you can just get it as a standalone, and it is a basic digital gaming table that you can do whatever you want with. It's a, basically a physics engine. So you can uh, download, let's say you want to play Zombicide, And so you can, like, for 10 bucks, you can get all the Zombicide stuff, and it lays the game out, how the game would be, and so on. And everybody just has to have a copy of that digital Zombicide to play. And then you can play it to your heart's content. And usually the digital copies of these things cost $10 each. Okay. Uh, Tabletopia is kind of a uh, competitor to that. And it is on Steam. But it is also available on their website as a free thing. Huh. 
the difference with Tabletopia is that uh, there are basically three tiers. When it comes down to it, there's two tiers. There's a non-paid tier, and then there's a paid tier, and then that has two more tiers to it. Uh, the non-paid tier, you have access to any of the free games that are on there in the paid tiers for the premium stuff. Uh, it turns out with Tabletopia that there is a load of free games on there. Oh. Uh, and c- people who are running Kickstarters for board games are putting their stuff on Tabletopia as ways to try out the games. They'll they'll make the whole game available, but they'll just make like the first one or two scenarios of the game available. And that way you can try it out, see if you like it. And uh, aw shucks, if you go to their Shut Up and Sit Down uh, website, you see the aw shucks thing at the side. For Tabletopia, they've made a uh, seven-day uh, gold tier trial uh, for free uh, during that, and all the games that were featured during Aw Shucks are free to try on Tabletopia. Okay. So I spent the weekend butting my heads against this Tabletopia engine because I haven't spent much time on Tabletop, so I haven't done much time. This I'm just learning about. Uh, it does have a, a light learning curve to it, but nothing you can't reach, wrap your head around. Okay. And one really cool thing that's nice is you can watch other people playing games, too. So uh, I think there's like 1,200 games available on Tabletopia. So, hmm. I mean, it's, it sounds like a lot, but there's there's like a 1,000 games a year, board games that are released every right. year worldwide. Yeah. So, but the ones that are rising to the cream, cream of the top, they're, they're there. And, and they don't have a lot of the really, like, huge ones. Like, I look for Gloomhaven. That's not on there. Uh, but uh, things like Wingspan and uh, Raiders of the North Kingdom, things that are kind of like a mid-tier, uh, heavy board game uh, for the real enthusiasts, those are all pretty much on there. Like, I watched some, a couple people play Viticulture, okay. which is a game on running your own winery. Yeah, I, I, I figured that's what it was, but I was, wasn't sure. And... Every one of these games has the a PDF of the rules. So if you want to see the actual rule system itself, not just like uh, here's just here's a basic breakdown of all the rules. No, this it shows you what the rule book looks like from beginning to end, so you can learn how to play it uh, using the system. So if you're interested in board games, uh, check out Tabletopia. It is free. If you have a computer that's not very strong, just go to the website version of it because that just runs off the web. And then you can copy and paste your uh, uh, the website at the top whenever you started a table room and just send that website to a friend. They just copy that into their web browser and they join you right there. It's it's They've made it really, really easy if you want to try the digital versions of these games. But again... It is a digital physical physics engine. It's the game. It doesn't. The program itself does not know the rules of these games. It's up to you as the player to play the game right. Okay. It's it's a digital table. You're, it presents the pieces and the board and puts those where they should start. 
but from there it's all up to you. Oh, well, that uh, that doesn't solve that problem. <laughs> right. So you you have to know how to play a game if you're going to play it in So this. you you get the tabletopia version of Monopoly. People can still do the free parking yes. uh, fees and all that junk and Absolutely. And just, <laughs> just totally destroy the or, game. Or well, or just have somebody just throwing pieces around because you can do that too. Just throw cards around. Well, well you know, Paulette's done that once. Oh, or okay, twice. sure. Sure. Yeah. Still remember when she beamed Lewis with a piece one time. That was <laughs> that's that's always a fun time. Yeah. So so uh, that was playing Disney villains. Great game, by the way. Is it that that looks good? It is. It's a fun game. It's a very cool game. I it, definitely it, recommend that game. It's piqued my wife's interest. I yeah. You you uh, well, <clears throat> you should get it, and then your wife will. Play games with you, dude. Oh, she—it's not for lack she of already wanting. plays yeah, games yeah. with him. <laughs> oh, hey, no, but uh, but yeah, Go on it, it is. It's a good game. I we we played it a couple times. Uh, the uh, card stalker crowd on Sundays, and um, it's fun. It's fun. It's a uh, it's an interest. The pieces are really cool, and uh, it's an interesting uh, perspective. On uh, the whole, uh, the whole uh, Disney villain thing. God, that was a long fucking time ago, dear lord. But yeah, yeah, it's a good game. I recommend it. Excellent. Uh, speaking of my wife, my wife and I sat down one evening to start uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor okay. on Netflix, and finished it that same night. Oh, wow. Oh, my. That is a first in our relationship. I can, I can get my wife, I mean, my wife has a lot of pain issues. So right. getting her to be able to sit down to watch anything is rare. Right. Uh, but when she's feeling good, she likes to, we like to watch something together. And usually she's good for about a movie, possibly two. And that's as far as it gets. It's an episode or two of something. And then right. it's like, well, okay, I got I to gotta move up now. Um, but she got so enraptured with the Bly Manor story that even I was at like four in the morning. I'm like, you know, let's, let's go ahead and just uh, shut this down and, and go to bed. We'll pick it up tomorrow. And she gave me a stare <laughs> and, and she's like, nope, we are continuing this. And we didn't get to bed till like seven in the morning. Wow. Dang. It sounds like something I would do. Yeah. And it is that compelling. Bly Manor, of course, there it's a standalone story in now the the haunting series on Netflix. Uh, the first one was great. Haunting of Hill House, amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. An amazing story with a fantastic payoff. This is the same. This one that one was based on Shirley Jackson's story, The Haunting. Right. This one based on the turn of the screw by Henry James. Okay. And damn, they are good. They are really good at at spinning out a story, creating the mysteries of things you want to figure out, slowly doling out small answers to those mysteries, and then giving you a one-two punch in the last couple episodes of, here's what happened. Gotcha. And man, if you like a Haunted House story, nobody's doing them better right now. And I'm talking, that includes Blumhouse. Whoa. Yeah, Blumhouse, don't get me wrong. I love them. They're doing great. I love the stuff they do with The Conjuring, and they're wonderful. But the Haunting series on Netflix, nobody, nobody does it better. Cool. And what absolutely blows my mind is all the shit they hide in those stories. 
because you you have the there's more than one ghost usually in well usually and there's only two series uh there's more than one ghost in each one of the stories but there's they hide them all the time <laughs> in the background that you will see something happening if you're paying attention and if you're not paying attention to that background you just miss it hmm. you'll just miss it and i love that it's it's it creates a game of you get caught up in the story but then you're like what's in the shadow back there did that did something move let's back it up i think something moved <laughs> it, it really becomes a game of backing up to catch things that you might have missed and we missed a lot and we're looking for that stuff because you can go of course to youtube and say all the things you missed in haunting of bly manor and so we <laughs> watched that and like we missed like 80 things there is so much going on in this just so many scary games being played by the writers and directors of this that it's just so much fun and this one is more of a gothic romance, still a haunting, but more than the first one as far as it's really got that kind of, uh, you know, those, oh, those old pulpy novels where it has the woman in the dress running from a manor holding a candle. Yeah. And they all had that cover. Right. It's that kind of story. Gotcha. But boy, is it compelling and well done. So Haunting a Blind Manor, top numbers, can't recommend it enough. Cool. Anything else, gentlemen? Uh, yeah, I've uh, I, I finally watched uh, Blumhouse Fantasy Island. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it wasn't like, oh my god, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Like with some of the Blumhouse films, but it was pretty good. I mean, especially given I wasn't sure what their take exactly was going to be with you know. I assume it's a devil's TV. bargain kind of thing. Uh, yeah. That's where they lead you to believe, but then there's a twist what? that takes it in a different direction. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I recommend it. I think people should check it out. Um, I've also been watching uh, a, a lot of uh, Van Halen videos and listening to a lot of Van Halen over the last couple of weeks. Respect, um, man. Absolutely. Um, just because I, I, I knew a lot about the band uh, prior to, you know, Eddie's passing, but I've learned a lot of little things that are just kind of coming out, you know, now that he's gone, you know, little things that people have kept secret, you know. Um, one of the ones that, uh, I don't know, that's geeky related is the um, the guitar rift that he did for Back to the Future um, when um, Marty puts the, the Walkman on um, his father's head and does the I Am... You know, Didn't you Darth mention Vader. this on an earlier podcast? Uh, I sent you the info, but we never right. actually talked about it. I, I think I thought you brought it up. No. Oh, okay. I, I sent you the email, and I meant to talk about it last week, but never did. But uh, uh, what's interesting is that I always thought it was just a rift off of you know an album that they put on there. Turns out uh, Eddie did that as a cameo for the film, um, but because it wasn't the full band, it was just him. When you see Marty put the cassette in Edward and it says Van Edward Hale. Van Halen, yeah. that's why it says Edward over the top is that he he couldn't use the Van Halen name because it was the whole wasn't it, the it whole was, band. It was hilarious. It was also hilarious because it's just like a, a typical eighties thing to yeah. you know. And it was something he just did as a lark, you know. They asked him to do it, he's like, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. And uh, you know, little things like that that he's done over the years. In fact, uh, you and I got to see Van Halen in concert back in 2004. Yes. Very entertaining show. Uh, and we were lucky because we caught 
that tour at the beginning before um, it broke down before yeah things went went way bad because uh, that was i guess eddie recovering from cancer surgery and then went deep into the addictions and then uh didn't get sober till i think two years later and michael anthony was still part of the yep, group michael anthony was still with him uh that was the reunion with sammy hagar that uh also led to you know him and and um Eddie not talking for the next 15 years, but what was nice to find out was that um, they both choose to, chose to keep it, keep it secret, but they reconnected back in January and had been communicating uh, right up until about a month before he passed, and uh, it was just, uh, that was kind of where Sammy knew that, you know, things must be going bad, and and uh, yeah, so he was, he had a couple radio interviews I listened to um, that were in some of the videos that I was watching and he was just devastated by it. He's like, it's like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they say, wait, don't wait too long to try to reconnect with, with people that you care about. Cause you never know. He said he'd been even more devastated if they hadn't reconciled. So oh, of course, but, uh, one of the things that I have really enjoyed watching is, you know, Eddie truly was a legend. It still is a legend at playing the guitar, but, uh, I've never been a big fan of reaction videos, but I've seen a few reaction videos this week of, you know, younger kids or, you know, people in their 20s, you know, watching a Van Halen video for like the first time or listening to the song and I'm like, how is he doing this? You know, this just like absolutely baffled and bowled over with delight. I mean, just watching the delight on their faces totally took me back to the first few times I didn't, that I heard. Didn't Edward, like I know him, doesn't <laughs> Mr. Van Halen, didn't he like turn his back so that people couldn't see what he was doing the, to hide in, uh, what yeah. his style was? In the early days, so the funny thing was like he didn't actually care, but Alex, his brother, told him in the early days of touring, he's like, you really should not face the audience when you're doing that because you don't want people to to emulate you, to be able to to pick up what you're doing. And it's so funny because even here we are 40 plus years later, some people know some of the techniques and can replicate them, but nobody can duplicate what he's done. I mean, he just, there are things that he did, you know, he crafted his own guitars from scratch or you know, taking doing a Frankenstein guitar, we take parts from different guitars to put them all into a single guitar to get the sound that he wanted. You know. Yeah, I stumbled into a uh, music uh, rabbit hole years ago, mm-hmm. where they talked about uh, how to play the guitar, and they uh, this chain led me into this big uh, article talking about like. Um, I can't even remember all the terms, but uh, um, uh, fingerboard tapping. Yes, yes, tapping, yeah. stepping, it, all sorts of things where they talk about uh, how uh, the things that he was uh, pioneering yeah, in he, rock guitar. He was a pioneer of the two-handed fingerboard tap because yeah. people had done the fingerboard tapping before, so it wasn't necessarily new, but nobody had seen him use seen a guitarist use both their left and the right hand and then not just making noise but making melodic noise yes. that that 
integrated itself into the song that helped drive the melody, helped drive the vocals, mm-hmm. etc. Right, right. So, yeah, just just a lot of little things like that that just you know incredible contributions to music and you know 65 is too too young to to leave this world but wow what a legacy to leave agreed so i know some of our fans aren't happy with us talking too much about music music but, music, uh, music less more more enjoy it than done yeah, i think so i know but, well that's uh, that that's until one of them uh you know pops up right, in the lair sure. and so and so is a lousy musician I uh, it just it rock was such a huge part of my, you know, preteen and teen years. It's how you that, rebelled, man? Yeah, it was, you know, just something I just absolutely enjoyed. And don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy other parts, of, types of music, but Zydeco. Uh, but uh, rock was definitely the you know, quote unquote, driving narrative of my. I think rock is the driving narrative of most of our youth from <laughs> from our age group. That's mm. true. <laughs> I played a little Minecraft this week. What? Uh, but not on the server again. Oh. No. <laughs> uh, I, I got my uh, PlayStation 4 VR headset working again because oh. uh, Gamefly sent me the new Star Wars Squadrons game. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to play this, let's fix this. And so I fixed the VR. It's working again. So I went on a little VR journey. Uh, first off, the Star Wars Sco- Squadrons game. Eh, it's okay. Yeah, I, I was expecting better and more from from a Star Wars game from EA. That's VR. Uh, in fact, the uh, 3D in it is not okay. When you're in the cockpit, it's kind of impressive. Okay, because it looks like you are in an X-wing or a Tie Fighter. Mm-hmm. The, the surrounding, it's there. If you look behind you in the X-wing, you can see your R2 unit behind you. Nice. And all of the control stations are literally right there in front of you. Uh, however, beyond your ship, not that impressive of, of 3D, which I would huh. have expected to have in a yeah. VR ship-to-ship combat game. Right. So everything that isn't the combat is impressive in VR. Otherwise, it's just kind of an average ship-to-ship game. Huh. Um I'll, I'll still play a little bit. Maybe it, maybe it gets stronger and better, but it so far hasn't impressed me all that much. And the cutscenes that you go to are in 2D, so that gets real jarring. So you go from a 3D environment to then a movie screen, uh-huh. a 2D movie screen, then you go back to a 3D environment, and you're supposed to be integrated in both. I'm like, no, it just yanks you right out. That's really weird. I wonder why they chose to do it that way. Uh, so when I was done with that after an hour and a half, then I say, well, you know what? I have, since this thing has been down for a while, let me go back and see some of the things that I missed in VR. And then I remembered that PlayStation 4's Minecraft has a VR mode. Oh. So I booted up the Minecraft on the PS4. And let me tell you, Minecraft in virtual reality is the fucking bomb. Really? <laughs> it is it takes it to a an immersive level that is almost disturbing. Hmm. Because as as everybody knows who've either played Minecraft with me uh, on the server or the, heard me talking about it, I, I'm not a builder. When I, when I build my home, I build into a mountain and hollow it out for what, whatever rooms I need. Right. To do that in a 3D environment and then walk into that room in a very solid 3D is a little off-putting. Huh. And 
I'm going to tell you right now, in VR, my homes are claustrophobic. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's, when I started doing my mine going down, I, I made it like twice as wide as I usually do just because it was feeling so compact on me. Well, shoot, there's a couple of videos that you and, well, actually, the one that pops to mind is one that Vlarg did where they're running down a hallway that's literally like one block wide and what, maybe two blocks tall. It's like the same height as yes. the character. And they're running down this very narrow hallway. And I was sitting there going, I'm like, this seems claustrophobic just watching it in video. I could, and then when, as soon as you said in 3D, I'm like, I couldn't imagine running down that type of a hallway in 3D. And usually in Minecraft, when you're taking out the wood for mm -hmm. you know, punching wood, if you will, uh, you have to, <laughs> I know you love it. Uh, you you kind of have to jump up on it and go up higher to get the higher pieces. Right. You get a sense for how high you're going in the 3D environment. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Did you build a, a huge scaffold and yeah, go way up in the sky yeah. and then look down? You know what? And I then should fall. I did. I didn't do that. I should climb up to the climb up a mountain because I, I did how... and and look down from there. And it was off-putting the, the only bad thing about it is of course being that it is part of the bedrock edition of minecraft you can only look 14 chunks they're called which is 16 by 16 blocks right that's as far as you can see before it starts fading out because well, i remember that time you climbed up to undo some kind of a uh, waterfall that barry made in one yes, of your videos the fucker. and and how how much anxiety you were having looking oh, down dude. in that and that was just in 2d so uh, I, I, I would like to, uh, in order to play on our Minecraft server, well, Barry's Minecraft server, the GeekShock Minecraft server, uh, on PS4, you have to run a special program on your computer right. that then can t talk to your v PS4 on, wi on Wi-Fi Jesus. and then pull it over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a complex thing to set up, but it is some extra steps. It's a, it's a little time consuming to set it up like the first time, but once it's set up, it's fairly easy to execute. So I, I do sometime this week want to do that on the PS4 and experience the GeekShock server in oh my. full VR 3D, it, be in that environment. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to freak me the fuck out. I don't suppose you have any <laughs> way of recording this, do you? Uh, I, I might be able to. Uh, you only thing is you won't be able to see what I see in right. that, that thing. Uh, but being at PS4, I might be able to like live stream it. Mm. Uh, because I can do that with over Twitch, so mm -hmm. so I'll I'll, I'll work, look into it, see if see if I can do something along those lines. Because if you watch the Minecraft videos in Hobbiton, uh, Mad Martrin created the Geek Shock Park, and there's all sorts of just fun things to do in there. Mm -hmm. But he has this gigantic tower that you jump off into a pool of water that breaks your fall, Ooh. and he's <laughs> got a chessboard that launches you into into the sky and so, you, <laughs> so you inadvertently hop around this thing hop around and i tell you right now there's nothing freakier than a creeper in 3d i'll bet jesus christ so if you have a chance to experience minecraft in 3d <laughs> it's a whole new creature my god well, apparently you've been missed on the server because uh, Barry and Deb were bragging about how how peaceful it's been since this you've been true. offline. This is true. I, I am I I am slightly an agent of chaos, slightly, <laughs> just a little bit. Uh huh. Not much. Torgo. And
agent of chaos. <laughs> anything else you do this week, guys? Can't think of anything. Hmm. Then we shall do some news you don't give a shit about. Oh, yay. Okay. Ooh. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Did I? Oh, yeah. Well, see, this is what... Okay, Andy, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I did totally forget. Go ahead. I watched Turbo Kid. That sounds familiar. Why do I know Turbo Kid? That's the movie I talked about a while back that was made like two or three years ago, but is designed to look and feel like an 80s movie. Okay. And it's a post-apocalyptic uh, kid's story that uh, this kid is uh, living in the post-apocalypse and he discovers this uh, video game character um, <clears throat> that he, he never knew in like the real world but because he grew up in the apocalypse, but he kind of like develops this heroic vision because of the comic books he collects from this. And then he discovers a power glove that's a video game version for the character that actually functions that actually works and he goes and challenges the uh, local warlord who's hoarding water <laughs> uh, played by michael ironsides oh nice who's uh, uh yeah i they dusted him off from retirement or something because he's <laughs> yeah the, the last thing i saw him in for was like a couple years ago and he, he looked was, old in the 70s yeah yeah it, it's funny because it, it was just it, yeah i watched it i watched it with vernon and I, I, I finally got Vernon to agree to watch it, and he was just like, my, he, he just couldn't believe how old he was. And, uh, uh, but it was, it was a funny, it was over the top uh, in terms of some of its violent depictions, but it also had a cute little heart to it um, in, the, uh, in the way the story was done. A little coming of age, a little bit of romance, and uh, good performances, pretty much. It, and it was, and it was a very '80s movie. They '80s the music. Uh, Vernon in Vernon style sat there, and he quoted the the appropriate <laughs> synths that had to have been used to uh, recreate the sound. Yeah, Mahad GX Seven every single time. Uh, yeah, and right. you know <laughs> stuff like that. And and it was actually it was actually a a fun little movie. So. Was this on um, Netflix? This is on Amazon. Amazon, okay. Amazon Prime. Turbo yeah. Kid. Turbo Kid. The Turbo Kid. Yeah. The Turbo Kid. Yeah, I just looked well, it up. Yeah. It's from 2015. So yeah, it's yeah, and it was been around a while. Yeah, and yeah, it it it's filmed too. And apparently, that's slowly becoming a thing. There's a thing called Retro Fury, which is a short film that is basically like an 80s action movie and you know it's it's like they film in an attempt to make it look like an 80s film is it movie. kung fury that you're thinking of nope this nope, is that's a different one this huh. is retro fury and kung, Fri kung I think fury we, talked, we think we talked about oh, yeah. retro, kung retro fury. fury on the show did we yeah what if it was first kung fury is awesome i don't think i've heard retro yeah kung fury was that was ridiculously brilliant uh but yeah well, although Kung Fury did have '80s aspect to it, but oh yeah, yeah it, for very... me, for me, the the side-scrolling combat <laughs> approach was what really fucking got me. <laughs> but a Retro Fury, yeah. Nice. Okay, that mm. we will do news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Deja do we have to? Oh, and uh, uh, oh. you <laughs> hold on to it, <laughs> kid. Like you're peeing a long trip, kid. He's telling me to hold on to it. 
He does that already. <laughs> oh! News don't give a shit about, as expected, Los Angeles Comic Con is officially canceled. The event was scheduled to take place December 11th to 13th, and now it's rescheduled to run September 24th to the 26th in 2021. Attendees who purchased the Kevin Smith Silent Bob Funko Pop will still be able to receive it this year. Damn it. Like, wait, we talked about it, what, last week or the week before? That they're like, it's it. They, they announced it's still happening, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's going to get canceled, and th- thus it was. Because yeah. why? It's a fucking pandemic. Right. S- stop it, people. Get Till this shit gets under control, this shit ain't going to happen. Shoot, I'm still waiting for freaking exclusives that I was able to order online from regular Comic-Con back in July. I still haven't got. Oh, geez. Because, still? Well, it's, you know, shipping delays, manufacturing oh, delays. Yes. All, I mean, they, they attribute it all to COVID, so I don't know if it truly is, but yeah, stuff that I'm still waiting on. Oh, dude, you uh, you should like write a letter or something, because uh, Jake got a whole bunch of swag <laughs> when uh, they fucked his shit up. I, I already wrote him just to make sure that my order was still on the way, and they wrote me back and said, yes, still on the way, expected shipping date is end of October, and I'm like, oh, end of October. And it's rare that we have to offer a correction, but we do have to this round. Uh, news you don't give a shit about. Reports that Tatiana Maslany as the star of Marvel's upcoming She-Hulk. That was premature. Speaking with the uh, Sudbury star this week, Malsani said that she's unfortunately not currently tied to the series. First reported by Variety in September, word spread that Marvel had tapped Maslani to play Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. So that's uh, something that we did announce on the show, and I tr- we try to vet this stuff. And since it was Variety, I f- thought it was fully vetted. Wow, variety. Uh, right. Well, it's yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe that gives Allison Brie another chance, because I know that uh, now that Glow's been canceled, uh, mm. she has expressed interest in it. In fact, when they when they were casting for She-Hulk and they said they were looking for an Allison Brie type, she's like, I'm an Allison Brie type. I'd <laughs> yeah. love to play the character. Yeah, really. So. Do you think maybe, uh, maybe this could be a... Um, uh, Misdirection. Jo- Joaquin Phoenix as Doctor Strange. Remember that? Oh, right. When that was playing around for like a week or two, and it 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 looked like it was some kind of maneuvering ploy. To it could also be that she was one that they were looking at to play the part, and whoever leaked it to Variety maybe wasn't specific about she hasn't officially been cast yet, but she's on the short list because there have been times where people have been announced as a character, as a, as a uh, actor that's going to play a character and then it's changed. Like I, I famously remember uh, uh, famously, I think it was Starlog that had said that uh, Patrick Stewart was going to play Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin. And then suddenly Schwarzenegger is attached to it. I was like, wow, that was weird. I, that, and that, Totally sounds like he was in the running until Schwarzenegger expressed interest, and then it's yeah. like, wah, wah. and there's which a, is, go ahead. I was just gonna say, which is funny because I think Patrick Stewart would have played an amazing he Dr. Freeze, would have been amazing, sure. but I'm also glad that he didn't appear in that film because that was a trash fire. That was it, was crazy, <laughs> you know. Uh, as a side note, a lot of people are talking about, uh, I forget his, his, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Last name, Giancarlo 
Montalban. I forget his oh, last name. Uh, that's in. Uh, he's in. He's he plays the uh, CEO. Yes, in yes. The boys. Uh, he's also the. Yeah. Uh, now I'm forgetting the his. the moth, the grand moth in uh, Mandalorian, and uh, a lot of people are actually it's the director, the, right? No, he's a he, he character. Esposito. Giancarlo Esposito. Esposito. Giancarlo oh, okay. Esposito. I, I wanted to Think say Stanton, and I'm like, no, that's the other yeah. actor. And people are actually, uh, a lot of people are talking him as any kind of future Mr. Freeze. Hmm. That'd be an interest. I I could see that. Yeah. I could see Betty that. Pretty yeah. interesting. Be... Have you seen the Colin Farrell promo pics as Penguin? Nope. That's, that's some... That's some uh, makeup shit there, dude. I am it's some, still it's some it's some stuff. I'm still not sold on this Batman film. Well, I didn't ask I was you if you were. No, I was just like I was I was excited I was excited for this film. I'm now very Now cautious, that now, now that Affleck is like ready to come back, you're like, "Meh." Well, I mean, when they announced the casting, I was completely fine with it, but now that I've seen some clips from the film, and it's been pushed back another year. I don't. I don't know what to think. I mean, yeah. maybe it comes out. Maybe it's amazing. I don't know. But sure. the, the, you, you can't read a lot into the, the whole pushed back, though. The, the, no, I and, know. I and know the that. neat thing about Batman is what other whatever other character they're doing, th- that one that franchise just seems seems to keep trucking along no matter oh. who's done it. Right. So you know, it's not like you. You have to sit there and be like, oh, God, this guy's going to kill Batman. This is just going to, oh, my God. And it's like, nah, you know, three years later, there's going to be another one. I don't have a problem with Pattinson playing Batman. Just the the visual style that I've seen so far, I'm questioning. Right. The the world building they've done. Sure. Um... I, I, oh man, I really hope those Garfield uh, Maguire rumors about Spider Man 3 are true. That would be cool. I want, I, cause I, I, the news. I really fucking, I really fucking want, I hope to Christ they do it. I want a Holland and a, a Garfield talking to Maguire about web shooters scene. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and he's like, "Well, well, no, it just comes out of my wrist." And they're all like, "Ah, no, oh my God, that you really—that's you, Ooh, you know." And just, <laughs> just be totally like, ah, "Oh my God, <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> what are you?" Yeah, exactly. And I, he's like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> I, I still remember when I I saw Stan you, Lee at Comic Con. You comfy kid talking about. Um, having the genetic web shooters and he said i think that's a brilliant idea i wish i had thought of it back then everybody's getting their cameras out i mean i i'm surprised he didn't slip and said i wish steve had thought of it (laughs) 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 because the the whole yeah (laughs) did you get that picture by the way todd kind of because he he his cat sense is activated and he yeah. Kit jumped up into a. You got to remember, you got a, the quick launch button for the camera I, on your you phone know, now. You know what? That quick launch is a deceptive term. Yeah. Because <laughs> you hit it and it launches eventually. Yeah, exactly. No, I know where it is. <laughs> that's that's pretty quick, dude. That's. Be, I, <laughs> who invited this guy? No, you don't give a shit about. DC Comics and UCS distributors are ending their direct market partnership as of January 1st, 2021. 
UCS was created in the spring as an outgrowth of Midtown Comics, who already had a robust mail-order retail comic book business. Retail. UCS and Lunar replaced DC's longtime exclusive distributor, Diamond Comics distributor, in a surprising and high-profile split in the spring that uh, retailers disliked greatly. The direct market is made up of specialty shops that purchase comic books as non-returnable items for a steeper wholesale discount. This method became the dominant means of comic book distribution in the late 80s. The alternative newsstand market, which dominated distribution prior to the direct market, allows retailers like convenience stores to return unsold items to their publishers for a refund. The switch to Lunar carries with it some changes that could potentially affect comic book specialty shops as of the final order cutoff date for December 6, 2020, the publisher is now requiring that orders placed through Lunar total a minimum of $125 per weekly order based on retail sales value, uh, cover price, or a total of $500 monthly. Uh, John Jackson Miller of Comicron reports, quote, while that doesn't sound like a lot, Diamond was servicing many game stores and hobby shops that carried comics as a sideline, where there are also shops that specialize in more graphic novels and less in periodicals, writes Miller. All industry eyes will now be on Lunar as it transitions handling all of DC's North American specialty market distribution and likely ant up speculation of a potential reconciliation of Diamond. Uh, Kirsten, would you please uh, regurgitate what I just told you? <laughs> Well, the uh, DC is swish, switching to the United Coalition States um, <laughs> uh, uh, for uh, distribution of uh, uh, arms and ammunition. To you, s- you see, while I'm running Gig Shock, uh, <laughs> Kirsten and Jeff are watching the Kit Show. Yeah, but I was actually listening that, that there's the potential <laughs> to get back together with Diamond. So. That's uh, uh that's that's kind of the it's the, the get together with Diamond is still in the kind of rumor right. mill. It's rumor mill. The reconciliation, mill, but, if you will. But Aww. the fact that they're ending that partnership, they've got to go with somebody and uh, well that's just it. They had a partnership with UCS right. and they had also a partnership with Lunar. They were taking care of That was supposed sides. to have killed yeah. Diamond. Right. What happened? Uh, UCS uh, has now been let go. Is that what you were talking about? Yes. <laughs> They probably, you know. I know, I know, but it's just like. Uh, uh, it, I mean, yeah, Kit actually, I'm rearranging the furniture and Kit just jumped on my new bookcase design and actually there was a moment of, is he going to knock stuff over? And, <laughs> well, he and, was about to start knocking over, you know, your collectibles there. He yeah. already did knock over one of he them. He knocked over the keeper. but uh, You can have a cat or you can have collectibles. You can't have both. <laughs> right. So... So that's interesting because we were talking about the death of Diamond and, oh, hurrah, open things up. This I, People couldn't make up their mind if this is good or not, and now it just doesn't matter because it's... Well, the comic retailers were, were upset with that DC partnership because of the discounts that they were losing, right? right. If I'm not mistaken. Right. It was and, an, and there it, was talk of the, and, oh, and the, the digital. And the, the, and the not being able to return uh, unsold copies. They were well, really upset about well, that. Well, that's that's always been part of the direct market. Even Diamond wouldn't take back unsold copies. Uh, the the yeah. big issue is that you have now multiple distributors with different rules and different discounts. Right. One for Marvel and everybody else and one for DC. And so people were like, I'm not going to get as many DC comic books because yes. I don't want to play by these new rules that they're creating. Right. That is not in the interest of my shop. 
That's tough because you 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 know ideally competition is better for that type of industry. The problem is they're not out to it, undercut each other by being competitive. They're out to it's the it's yeah. as we've discussed before the cable TV model. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you you essentially the competition is two monopolies competing against each other, which is not going to be good for either for the retailers it's oligopoly because it's it's all about the monopolies it's What's, not about the retailers yeah it's what it's oligopoly oligopoly uh, uh, oligopoly because you have a few people that control all the power and yeah. then they essentially you know work together in a True, way they're but, not they're not truly competing against but, each but, other but these guys are not working together and so and all of marvel under one that's its own monopoly, and DC under the other. That's right. its own monopoly. So it, it it's it's really kind of bizarre. Now the thing I did miss, it, 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 it is this is this collapse happening because the people the people were saying I'm not going to do as much DC because this is a fuck. And, and nowhere setup? in the articles I looked at for this did it say why. Oh oh. So re- what? So DC, really? because DC isn't getting rid of their direct market, they're just getting rid of one of the two distributors they were using. Right. Yeah. So Luna's still there. They're still with, okay. Huh. Who knows? I mean. Well, maybe, maybe. Uh, we're, we're in a whole new world going forward anyway. Uh, distribution networks are they're already probably, dis- they're, disrupted they're, by I think it's all COVID maneuvering. And, I think it's all maneuvering to get Allison Bree to distribute. <laughs> uh, the, wow. Crazy ass shit. Well, it's funny because Allison Bree's wanted to distribute for a good yeah, long she, time. So when she, they said we want an Allison Bree model of distribution, right. she's like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm an Allison Bree model. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Allison Bree model. Uh, well, we don't know where to put it if it's uh, not news, don't give a shit amount, or Weekend Geek, so we're throwing in the Purgatorio. Row, row. Amazon has given a series order to I Know What You Did Last Summer as a TV show, mm. an adaption of the Lois Duncan novel called I Know What You Did Last Summer because an entry into, that was a 90s slasher canon film. Right, right. I, yeah. Uh, teens face repercussions for a graduation <laughs> night mistake. What? That's what happens. No, the way you... It's a teen's face. It's like I'm picturing a teen's face. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, this is, this is going to be an awful story. <laughs> you, you Break might, out. You, you, might be, you might be right. Uh, teens face repercussions for a graduation night mistake. We'll get a modern update from writer-executive producer Sarah Goodman. The film spawned two sequels, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> wow, I didn't know there was a I third one. I love those titles. <laughs> I love you. Uh, no. Followed by the fourth one, we haven't forgotten what you did last summer. <laughs> Are you in the next one? Are you free next winter? <laughs> uh, no word on when the Amazon series is set to go into production. Um, I mean... They made a somewhat successful Scream right. series, yeah, yeah. so they've they've demonstrated they can take this '90s slasher canon and turn it into a show that's watchable. Uh, however, this is kind of, in my opinion, one of the least 
uh, not watchable, but the least enduring of the 90s yeah. slasher canon. I mean, the, the first one was okay. The sequel, I, I wasn't fond of. I didn't even know there was a third film. I I guess I had just stopped paying attention. The at world that point. forgot. Uh, and I have to admit, I don't think I ever realized it was based on a novel. Yeah, yeah. I, that, the, the first one is just a a classic teen slasher thingy to babooo. So, uh, yeah. Who knows? You know what they need to adapt? What's that? Nineteen seventies. We know who you are, and we saw what you did. <laughs> I'm not familiar. If I remember that correctly. And that's a big if. <clears throat> uh, back in the 70s, before caller ID, before, you know, internet, before all that shit. Uh, and people used to do a lot more prank phone calling uh, and stuff like that. Obscene phone calls were an actual thing. Is See, before video, game, before yes. video games, kids, we used to call strangers up exactly. and say awful things to them. And if, Well, it, you better go and catch it. If I remember... If I'm remembering this movie correctly, and I think it was a TV movie. It might have been a movie movie. I think it was a TV movie. These kids call up and someone, and it, you know, hello, and it's like, we know who you are, and we saw what you did. And they hang up, and they're like, dee except they actually called like an actual mass murderer or serial murderer. <laughs> okay. And, oh, wow. And, and so they and, opened and, up. And thus the stalking begins. Yes, exactly. If I remember it right, but I, you know, Jeff will fact check me. Slasher picks don't need a strong premise. No, that's true. They just need, you know, a wall of chainsaws. Something that sets the killer off. Yeah. <laughs> yes, really. Because, you know, it's the victim's fault. <laughs> Every time. It's a ba- very Reagan era kind of thinking. Absolutely. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, but. Uh, Did you guys ever prank call anybody growing up? No, because nope. you're a good man. My mom actually, and therefore me actually, uh, when my dad was out of the country, got a spat of calls that, oh. as a kid, terrified the hell out of me. Oh shit! And so I've never caught into that sort of thing. Yeah, that could be a, as a victim. Of yeah, that. yeah, I can see yeah. that not being a a thumbs up. Yeah, thing my to do. mom actually had to get to a friend who. Had a friend, had a cop for a friend who actually had connections at the phone company and was able to go and speak at the house. And of course, they denied everything, blah, blah, blah. So no charges or anything could happen. But the calls did stop. Oh, wow. So, but yeah, it actually got to that point. So yours is more of a somewhat terrorizing set of calls. Um, you know, as. Or were they like the Prince Albert and the Can bullshit? No, they were. Oh, the heavy breathers. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And me as an anxiety-ridden kid, uh, not even not even capable of understanding any kind of sexual implications or anything, that just mysterious, formless breathing just scared the living fuck out of <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. At so. the young age. And you, Jeff, you said you didn't either? No. Uh, watching Bart prank call Mo on The Simpsons was <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> Because those were that filled that hole for you. Oh yeah, those were some of the most creative prank calls. Though. 
Uh, I did once. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Todd, and, you uh, bastard. Prob- well, probably about f- fifth. Was it a long distance called a Long Island? If I wait, wait, wait. <laughs> was this before or after you discovered the Jerky Boys? Oh, way before. Okay. This is like fourth and fifth grade. Oh, wow. That, which, that which, early. Which, frankly, is the age that you should be doing these sure. uh, on a maturity level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and then we were doing just the classic dumb stuff, refrigerator running and so on, and and me and one of my metalhead friends, and yeah, it was it was immature and dumb and felt bad afterwards. I do I do remember specifically though that look because we were looking through the phone book. Remember, I live in a small town, so the phone book of probably a thousand names tops, and we remember coming across a guy with the last name Dick. Mm-hmm. Of course, as as kids, comedy gold, right? And first name Donald, and of course, you have to call Donald Dick uh-huh. anytime you can, and so that's what we did, and tried to do a Donald voice. It didn't work very well. He didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. <laughs> no, it was dumb, stupid, but you know, kids, you know, it's what you're gonna do. At least we're just breathing and heavy and doing the stalker shit. Yeah. So wow. I always remember. Um, the people that I know that did do prank calls were always looking for specific names in the phone book, like Michael Hunt and, uh, you know. Well, the jokes write themselves if their last name is Dick and first name Donald. Right. Yeah. Next in the Purgatorio. <laughs> it's the victim's fault. It's the victim. It's, it was the Reagan era. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's the ripcord defense. <laughs> Now, now, Kirsten, was the movie that I discovered, was that the one you were... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a 1965 film. Oh, uh, wow. Predates the 70s. Uh, the movie was called I Saw What You Did. Yeah. And it was from it, July of 1965. Calls, black, black and white film. Calls coming from inside the house. Yeah, I apparently had it backwards. It's uh, I Saw What You Did and I Know Who You Are. And they call a guy who just killed his wife. Yeah. Ah, so. I just wasn't sure if that was the one because I know that sometimes there would be a, like a a movie in the theaters and then yeah. suddenly you'd have suddenly like you a few later a few years later a TV movie TV with a movie, similar yeah. title and a similar theme. That's pretty much it. Though. And then so we got the sure. Lifetime Channel. It just happened weekly. And yeah. you know nowadays, <laughs> nowadays that premise, yeah, that could totally holy. You know, I don't know. You really got to figure out. Someone who's dumb enough to prank call we nowadays. We just check the GPS. <laughs> They're actually in yeah. your house. Yeah. <clears throat> but maybe with burner phones or some shit. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. But you you figure out some way to explain how kids are prank calling, and and that can that can take on its own its own slasher movie life. Yeah, they they've moved up from prank calling. Now they're swatting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be on. They swat a guy who's killing his wife, and they're heroes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a flipperoo. It's the Clinton era. <laughs> Next to the Purgatorio, Showtime announced that Dexter is coming back for a limited series. Speaking of. <laughs> the show had a large following of dedicated fans who ended up being disappointed with the final season and finale of the show. Series showrunner Clyde Phillips said in a recent interview that, quote, this isn't Dexter season nine. This was an opportunity to write a second finale for the show. Phillips added that the reason that he and star Michael C. Hall felt pulled back into the show was the lingering love from the fan base. And now they have the chance to right the wrong. That was the series finale. Dexter will return to Showtime fall 2021 
with a 10-episode season. Yeah, it already has two previous finales, so why not a third? <laughs> I, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, you know, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't watched the show that's been off the air for, what, 10 years now? I haven't. I, I stopped at season four because everyone told me don't go beyond it. Uh, in the actual season finale, there's like two endings. There's an ending where he takes his sister's body on his boat and drives into a fucking hurricane or, you know, st- uh, you know, motors off into this hurricane. That I thought odd. that was, I thought that was a perfect ending. I thought okay. it could have ended right there, but then they come back and he goes after, you know, somebody else. And it just like, it just like leaves it open ended. And then, you know, you see him at the very end, you know, doing the things, doing the rituals that he did in the rest of the series. saying. So essentially, the 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 final part of the show is leaving it open that he's doing everything he has always done again. So, I just I just thought the the final like fifteen minutes of the show were completely unnecessary. And I know this one's they're they're keeping the timeline in frame. This takes place ten years later, right? So they're I, I can appreciate trying to do right by the fans of sure. Show. Uh, I, I, I will say that season four of Dexter with mm-hmm. John Lithgow yes. as as the uh, antagonist right. is one of the finest seasons of any show in the last 20 years. Yeah. What a, 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 an amazing roller coaster that particular season was. And Loth- Lithgow being the awesome Lithgow that he is. Right. Uh, I'm kind of reminded a little bit of uh, Mass Effect 3. Okay. Uh, that's a, if you're not familiar with, it's a video action role-playing video game series that, uh, if I remember right, was Xbox exclusive, if I remember right? I think at one point it at one, and then, Yeah, and I think it, it went uh, beyond that eventually. And the fans hated the ending. Yeah. And they hated it so much that they ended up changing the ending, like going back in, programming a new ending, and then updating... It as a patch. Oh, okay. And, and I oh, re- like they're doing for Rise of Skywalker. I, I don't think they're doing <laughs> that. Um, they're, they're not. Don't don't listen to this. Um, <laughs> well, don't you know in the new movie they're going to completely eradicate the entire well, yeah. Skywalker saga? Yeah, and after they fired, start back over. After they fired yeah. Kathleen Kennedy. And, right. Uh, Jesus Christ. And they uh, uh, castrated J.J. Abrams. I would like and, to and, and they, that and they was... let John Favreau go too because he. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. that like was to... after Pedro Pascal quit. Yes. I would like <laughs> to note that at no point did they bring Star Wars into this. Somehow it ended there. Uh, but they did change the ending to that game. And, okay. and it was a big hullabaloo of, well, who's right in yeah. doing that? Do you, do you out to the fans because they didn't like how something ended and thus adjust the quote-unquote artistic vision? Or do you stick to that vision and, and say, this is the story we wanted to tell? Well, it's hard to know sometimes because in a series like that, occasionally you have, in the case of Showtime, possibly getting involved and saying, we need you to stretch this out for X number more episodes or X number more seasons, kind of like they did with Lost. You know, Lost was supposed to be a finite number of episodes and got stretched out extra seasons. Um, you know, you, you just never really know whether the creator of the show is going to retain 
creative control throughout the very end of the series and get the ending that they want. Now, in the case of that happening, where the, the creator does get the ending they want, I don't have a problem with that, even if I don't like it. But if it's altered to appease, say, a studio, or in the case of, you know, appease fans, then I have a problem with that because you're compromising your art to make a fan base want to buy the product again. So, th so the question becomes, what is this then? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this which, is... Which of those scenarios are we looking at here? If he's saying he wants to right wrongs, I just have a feeling that the ending was not what he wanted. If he's coming back to, you know, start over with a limited series, and it's only it's a limited number of episodes, ten episodes, and, yeah, it, and that's it. It's, right, they, they're not going on. So sure. Um, well, the ending of the game was just a a changing of of cinematics. Yeah, in that particular game, so it's not like they went back and added a new game to fix that one. So I mean, it, and there's a lot of things to consider too, because. On the other hand, is he approaching this as I didn't get the ending I wanted, or is he approaching it as the way I wrote it then is not how I would write it now? And that's where you start getting into the Lucas modification era. It's like ah, yes. when Lucas says, well, I didn't get the films that I wanted back then. It's like, you were happy with it back then. You're looking at it through you know 60-year-old eyes as opposed to... 20 year old eyes you're always going to be a different person when you're older than when you are than when well, you're he also younger said, so. he also said children yeah made a difference boy oh boy could you imagine if lucas had made a serial serial killer movie mm -hmm. when he before he had kids <laughs> what what in the hell he just replaces all the victims with boxes of cereal no stop it you know and he just like torches i always thought frankenberry that and I always thought that was funny, like, you Chops know, because I've had tricks. No, I've, I've read those Lucas lines where he talks about, you know, how, you know, having kids changed his point of view on yeah. things. And and I've had other people tell me, he's like, well, your, your, your view of the world changes when you have kids. And then I've had people say, no, it really doesn't change it. And yeah. then you have somebody like, say, Spielberg, who had kids and still started, still continued to make amazing movies with yeah. an artistic vision that well, was his own all the way through. I mean, well, 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 Jurassic yeah. Park is is part horror film. True, but Spielberg had his E.T. moment, sure. which he regretted. And he actually said, the right. whole being a parent now, it's kind of, it's a little uncomfortable having people with guns chasing kids around, which is, I don't know. I, I think that becomes a layer of silly at, at some point. But he later on said, you know, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, when he changed the, was it the shotguns to flashlights? And right, then, exactly. But then and changed put walkie-talkies yeah, yeah. and all the pistols, and, and, you know, which was actually pretty fucking funny when but you look at it. to his credit, he realized his mistake, and he changed it yeah, back. right. So. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, we, won't know, we won't know until we see it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's this thing. It's, it's just based on the their own words as far as that right. the opportunity to write a second finale for the show it does seem to be because of fan blowback well i mean like i said you know i would have been perfectly happy if it had ended where it seemed like it was intended to be over and then 
suddenly you've got like another 15, 20 minutes of the episode that are like, this thematically doesn't make any sense compared with the first, you know, two thirds of the episode. It just, it didn't, it feel, it felt tacked on. As, as a fan watching it, it felt like it was tacked on. Hmm. But again, that's just my interpretation of it. Now I can see, I mean, I've not seen that season, so I'm right. not speaking from experience here. But I can see, knowing how test audiences work, right. that s- people in general don't like ambiguity in an ending. Sure. So riding off into a hurricane as an ending doesn't seem something that people would have enjoyed anyway. Sure. I mean, I enjoy am- endings like that, too. But it fit with where the character was evolving at that time. Again, if you haven't seen it, it's, you know... Sure, I, I'm, I'm speaking from a place of ignorance, yeah, I realize right. this. And, and again, this is solely my opinion. Sure. I didn't have a huge problem with that final season. I mean, it was okay. It certainly wasn't as good as some of the other seasons, but I felt that it was a decent season. I didn't hate it like a lot of people did. So that could have also colored my impressions of it. Okay, absolutely. Well, we're out of that morass. Let's get into some Weekend Geek. Woohoo! Always up for more ass. <laughs> you you never disappoint me, Kay. I appreciate what? you so much. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, no. no. Oh, okay. I'm saying you're there, and I appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> right where I need you. <laughs> when he needs you. <laughs> when I need you. Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment are confirmed to be developing a Static Shock feature film, and now Michael B. Jordan, that's the one from Black Panther and Creed, is on board to on the project as a producer. Uh, Virgil Hawkins, a.k.a. Static Shock, was created by Milestone Media and DC Comics in the 90s. Accidental exposure to an experimental mutagen leaves geeky high school student Virgil with superpowers. Able to control electromagnetic forces, he channels his newfound powers to fight evil, aided by his pal Osgood, who builds gadgets to help Virgil fight crime. Right. Static shock. So we, we, we announced that it was coming, but now uh-huh. uh, Jordan on board. Uh, hmm. Interesting, interesting jump. Yeah. I like it. We shall see. Uh, this next thing is interesting. Um, in fact, I, I had to find as m- I probably went on the biggest internet search for this news than anything else I have in my notes, All just right. to compile together exactly what this thing is. Uh, Scream Fest Four: uh, The Kraken's Revenge. Uh, Kraken, the rum company, okay, all right, has been doing these uh, Halloween events. They did a uh, movie, I think, like a year or two ago, and so on. That was specific on Kraken, and it, it, it was widely uh, praised. Okay, uh, now they're doing Scream Fest Four. It's a horror game uh, by video game writer and director John Zerlin, uh, who works for Rockstar. He was designer on uh, the last couple of. Uh, uh, Grand Theft Autos and the uh, well, the the first two, I guess the only two, Red Dead Redemptions. So, video game developer with high regard. Sure. So it's a horror game by him that lets you control its lead character via your phone or computer. But this character is a live actor. Okay. Uh, through a live video link, you will give directions to Ewan Rowan. Best known for playing Ramsey Bolton in HBO's Game of Thrones. 
Uh, beyond you guiding him, his only other equipment is a flashlight to guide him, him through various scenes to save divers from the Balthazoid. The story tells the tale of a merciless amphibious monster, the Balthazoid, which unfolds through a maze that players will need to escape. Quote, I will be at the mercy of people controlling my every move, the actor said. Continuing, I wonder how many Kraken fans will send me to my doom and how many will save me. Uh, Screamfest 4 will be selling tickets Wednesday, October 21st, before beginning its short three-day run on October 28th. Each player will get 10 minutes to control the actor for the price of 10 pounds and receive an additional game guide and, and ingredients to create a Kraken cocktail Halloween-themed. Uh, so, yeah, it's a survival horror game created by a a video game developer who has been added a long time. Right. But you're directing somebody through a haunted house. It sounds like an interesting idea. <laughs> I'm just not sure about the execution. I wonder, is it going to be uh, uh, like multiple choice? Or is it going to be stuff like he's like, okay, what should I do now? And up on the screen will come up poopy. Because <laughs> I, I, the reason I say that is I'm reminded of the uh, send Pitbull to blank that we talked about on the show where they sent him to like Nome Alaska. Or they were, the, the people <laughs> voted to send him to like Nome yes. Alaska. Yes. And then, of course, he didn't actually go. Bieber's they, uh, they did, North yeah. Korea uh, tour. Tour. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm just knowing how certain people are that would probably pay to do weird things to the character in this game. I'm, I'm, my understanding is it's a very, very basic controls and the okay. controls are basically on the screen. I don't think you will have really, truly any interaction between you and that actor. Right. My understanding, the controls are forward, back, left, right, and hide. So very much like Amnesia, if you've played those sure. horror games. But bonus points to whoever gives him the Konami code. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that'll probably make poopies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and that that as a, as as an actor, I would appreciate that that the limits, <laughs> right? <laughs> that my instructions would receive, or at least a thirty like, second delay. Okay. There's 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 a there's a hole in the floor in front of me, and they keep telling me to move forward. Do I actually have to move forward into the hole? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what would happen. There, be a, there's a hole in the floor in front of me, and they keep telling me to fuck it. Do I do it? <laughs> do I have to do it? Because otherwise, if it's if it's text, it's just going to be unzip your pants. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now jacket. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I can appreciate the the limited input. Right. So, but I, I kind of it's a neat idea. The whole sure. Uh, I, I'm an actor, and I will take my cues from the person that has bought ten minutes of my life. Yeah. To uh, to go through this haunted house. And Kraken's a decent room, so I can yeah I can get too. behind the product. Sure. Uh, so Screamfest for the Kraken's Revenge, if you want to look into it, look that up. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, I have to say. Innovative. I've never heard of anything like this. So so good on you for getting freaky. But don't get freaky. Well, yeah, not too freaky. There's, <laughs> he will not be jacking it. Well, I can't say for sure, but I doubt it. I doubt it heavily. <laughs> uh, actor Conchita Farrell has died. Uh, well, Farrell's best likely known as the housekeeper, keeper, housekeeper. <laughs> you know how they do that. Uh, Farrell's known for the uh, role of the housekeeper, Berta, on the sitcom Two and a Half Men. 
Uh, she's also had prominent roles in genre films like Krampus and Edward Scissorhands. In Krampus, Farrell played Aunt Dorothy, who enjoyed peppermint schnapps and inevitably became one of Krampus's victims. Uh, Farrell also played Helen in Edward Scissorhands, the redheaded neighbor who couldn't help poking her nose in other people's business. She also appeared in several other films, including Frank and Weenie, K-Pax, Aaron Brockovich, Mystic Pizza, and True Romance. Uh, but Farrell's most prevalent in television, in addition to recurring roles in Two and a Half Men and Netflix's The Ranch, the actor also starred in many a series, including uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Teen Angel. Farrell was nominated for an Emmy three times in her career, twice for playing Berta, and in 1992 for her role of, as Susan Bloom in L.A. Law. Yeah, she's uh, been in a lot of things. Oh, L.A. Law. Uh, Clive Barker has told ComingSoon.net that the series based on his 1990 film Nightbreed has landed Michael Doherty, uh, that's who did Godzilla King of the Monsters, to direct. Mm. Uh, Doherty is also a writer and executive producer on the upcoming Hellraiser series. Barker is currently writing the series Bible for Nightbreed, who's penning the series along with Josh Stolberg. The original film followed a young man who discovers a place called Midian that harbors a secret community of monsters hiding from the rest of humanity. Uh, my love for Clive Barker, as anyone who listens it's to the well show. Well documented. Yes, <laughs> that's... Uh, even though I have many, many favorites out there, uh, Brian Keene, Stephen King, and so on, and the horror writers around us, uh, Clive Barker is still uh, tip-top. I love the man. And when it comes to his movies, Nightbreed is the top of the, all the list. I like Nightbreed more than any of them. So I am excited yeah. for this series. Much more excited now, knowing that not only is he writing uh, for the series, but also designing the Bible for the series. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, uh, the TV parlance of the Bible, uh, every TV show, especially genre TV shows, have what is called a Bible. And it's basically a, a world-building document. It is the thing that tells you the structure of how the world works in this thing. Like if you get the Star Trek Bible, it'll tell you about how the Federation works, what right. all the aliens are and where they're from. And, and uh, the Bible gets adjusted and added onto as that uh, world expands. So every show you've ever seen in genre has that Bible. And they're interesting to look at if you can ever get your hands on one. So knowing that he is that, he is designing the core concept of this show as well as contributing to writing. Oh, I'm on board. I yeah. am so on board. And they made a comic book series based on Nightbreed, which was a pretty decent continuation. <clears throat> yeah, I remember, I remember you told that. me you yeah. liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I never got a chance to, to read the series, but I just I remember you telling me I needed to check it out and then I it's one of the many things that kind of fell by the way. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, much better than the Hellraiser comics that I, I've read. Uh, the Hellraiser comics try really hard at being artsy horror. Yeah. Like, like to the point of absolute pretension. I, I've, I've, I've attempted them and, uh, and eventually it just becomes, okay, <laughs> this, is, this, this is just getting esoteric for esoteric sake. <laughs> but the art's great. It's painted. Um, right. She-Ra and Princess of Powers Noelle Stevenson will be helming an adaptation of her co-created comic Lumberjanes for HBO Max. This news comes a month after Boom Studios announced that the comic was coming to a close. The Eisner Award winner from Shannon Waters, Grace Ellis, Brooklyn Allen, and Stevenson is going to start with an hour-long special written and directed by Stevenson 
who will then head to uh, and will then head to series. Uh, Lumberjanes does not yet have a premiere date set, though the comic ends with uh, Lumberjanes Ends of Summer number one in December. So uh, I'm glad to see Lumberjanes finding a good home in HBO Max. Yeah. Turns out it's a pretty good home. Yeah, that'll be it. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's still not a lot of HBO Max originals in the channel yet. I, I know a lot of the stuff they had hoped to have out by now got pushed back till next year, but they've got a decent slate of originals. I mean, some of them are transplants from other Warner Brothers thing, like the DC sure. online. But uh, God, I still yeah. gotta watch Doom Patrol. It's so good, dude. Oh. First, first two seasons. I'm so glad we've got that third season coming up. Yeah, because it just there's something about a bunch of broken heroes trying to figure their way through the world. You know, I'm kind of sad. Uh, entertaining. I'm kind of sad that that they. When I say they, I mean the uh, DC had its own streaming service that these things were a part of. Yeah. Uh, DC Universe service. I can't remember what it was called anymore. Uh, that they had canceled Swamp Thing already. Yeah. Because, man, it's 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 so possible that we could have gotten another Swamp Thing if they, they just held on to it a little while longer. Right. For this HBO Max thing just to try to get more content to bring people in. Right, because I mean, there are they've already moved Titans now. I mean, it's not you know, on the channel yet, but it's coming it's soon. Coming. And the the following seasons will only be on HBO Max. So. Right, I mean, because the uh, uh, the Harley Quinn animated yeah. series so that good. was that was looking like it was going to get canceled in the original yeah. streaming service, and now they've already announced the next season for this yeah. one. It, it's it, their numbers went through the roof when it got into HBO Max. So I, I wish Swamp Thing got that chance. Yeah, would have been nice. You know what? It's been a while since we checked up on Eve Online. Oh yeah, Eve Online. Oh, I didn't even know it's still, it still happening. Still wow. happening. If you're not familiar, it is one of the longest running MMOs out there. It's right up there with World of Warcraft as far as age goes. I I gotta say, I'm surprised they haven't shut down the servers because are, are there really enough subscribers to keep it going? Absolutely. Really? As you will, you're about to learn. Okay. Uh, if you're not familiar with Eve Online, it is uh, ship to ship combat and yep. trading. It's it's spacefaring the MMO. Right. Uh, so here here's the story that warms my heart: the biggest PvP battle in gaming history took place on EVE Online's servers a couple of weeks ago. It involved two of the game's biggest factions, the Goon Swarm and Papi. That's P-A-P-I. Ah. Uh, Goon Swarm has been the big dog in the game for nearly a decade. As in, I, Poppy, cursed. Meanwhile, the Poppy Coalition is seeking to expand its influence and obliterate the Goon Swarm. The war for dominance had been simmering for months before that week's epic battle. This particular battle on the ongoing war was confirmed by CCP Games, the people that created it, to have lasted 14 hours. This one battle involved 8,825 players, 11,258 accounts, and peaked with 650. 6,557 concurrent players on the battlefield. Jesus. When the dust settled, 3,765 ships had been destroyed, including over 300 capital ships, representing thousands of real-world dollars spent during the fight. Wow. However, the war is far from over. (laughs) Poppy still has ships positioned in the neighboring star system ready for an attack. 
Time will tell if there'll be an even a bigger engagement, but for now, this battle has gone down in gaming history as the largest ever fought. So That's insane. Not only are they still alive, but they're still setting goddamn records like this. I just can't wrap my mind around the the thousands of dollars of real world the thousands of real world dollars spent on virtual property that is now destroyed. <laughs> I have just, been I've been tempted into Eve Online a few times I, in yeah, my life. I remember. And I never have played it. And the reason is if you play Eve Online, that's basically now your life. That that's my understanding of when you get into it, that is what you do now. I got to say, I'm amazed it's still around because I don't remember the last time I heard anything about it. It's so big that there is a statue to it devoted in Iceland. If you go to Reykjavik, you can (laughs) see a statue to Eve Online and its players. And some of the players that have like one of some of the major ones are like featured on the thing. It's yeah, it's and I'm not talking like, oh, it's in CCP's headquarters in front of there. No, it's in the city. (laughs) <laughs> the city made it because of, frankly, probably how much money it brings into Iceland. So good on you. Good on you, Yvonne Light. You keep being you. You keep doing the awesome things that you do. Wow. Well, a whole bunch of papers just uh, flew down to the ground. So that can only mean one thing. It's time for some from red light, green light. Red light, green light. Such fun game to play, yeah. Doesn't matter what you say, they're gonna make this shit anyway. Oh boy. Oh yes! Jeff, we gotta get through this list. The list never ends, sir. The, the list, list will never end. Because I got a whole bunch of stacks of papers right here, and yeah. these are all pitches. Pitches, bitches. This is what we got to go through. Are we gonna throw hard-earned money on these pitches for this channel? Kirsten, if the list ends, we're out of business. <laughs> and nobody wants that. See? Or do they? See? He's got he's got the right idea. All right. We we've we've uh, you know what? We've thrown our money behind some good things. We've also thrown our money behind some stinkers. Things that just failed right out. Never uh, saw the light of I day. I still want to see that. I still want to see cuz I, you know. Uh, that's a lot of work. Good luck finding that. <laughs> you know what? If someone wants to do it, fine. But man, that's, that's ooh. Talk, talk about Eve Online being your life. <laughs> I don't know. What happened, Jeff Harris? I thought he was a... Uh... <laughs> Whoa. You avoided that narrowly, uh, Jeff. I thought he was going to sit on my phone. Yeah, Kit was right there, man. There's nothing wrong with a cat sitting on your phone. <laughs> Let him you. sit on your phone. It's warm. It vibrates. I want to sit on your phone. <laughs> I don't want you to sit on my phone. <laughs> oh, boy. I remember the time I had my phone in my pocket and I went to a strip club. <laughs> oh, no. Jeez. Oh, no. She loved it. <laughs> Holy crap. Would you look at this, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. twice. Yeah, twice in the same a. night. Kit has gravitated toward Jeff's lap and, and, and lovingly. Just, just this, is, this is mine now. This is, this is what he's saying. It's, it's, it's better than a bread box. I guess so. My goodness. What I'm the, just surprised. What you know? in Sam Hell is going on? Face it, Jeff, you're a cat guy now. I mean, look at it. Look at him. He's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just I, need, I need to get a scar across one of my eyes and a, a gray suit that buttons up the front. I mean, I've got the cat. Blofeld. 
Right. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wow. I, wow. You of all people were a little slow on that there, one there, Torgo Todd. was just like... <laughs> you need a nice... We need to get him a nice Nehru jacket. Although now he's know? trying to bite the cord to my earphones. That's... Well, you're... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing it. What he's the doing hell? Kid, kid is in a mood. Fine. Fuck. Fuck him. You can take him home, Jeff. <laughs> Look at this traitor. <laughs> Don't eat my headphone cord, kid. Fuck him. Go ahead and eat it, kid. My God. <laughs> it's all yours. Let's talk about movies. <laughs> now, this is TV shows. We don't do movies in this studio. Well, we should. Then that would, you know, money. I don't know. That's not where the money is anymore. Have you oh. seen some of these failures in the in the movie department? Especially right now, TV is where it's at. Uh, I mean, hey, you saw the restructuring at Disney. Everything's moving to online now. Well, I know. After they fired Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Red light, green light. Netflix is bringing Hamish Steele's horror comedy graphic novels Dead Endia to the small screen, adapting the tales in the form of a 2D animated series. Steele was sort of a showrunner. Quote, The animated series follows four friends as they balance jobs in an amusement park's haunted house while battling the totally real supernatural forces that dwell within it. Dead India is about terrifying demons, vengeful ghosts, and mysterious magic. It's also about coming of age in a world that wasn't made for you. It's a drama about found family, identity, and making mistakes, Steele said in a statement. I've always dreamed of making the show I needed as a lonely, horror-obsessed, closeted gay kid, and thanks to Netflix, our ridiculously talented, diverse, and representative writer, room, and crew, we have a shot at a way of passing my dreams into the wildest fantasy territory. Expect Dead Endia to land in Netflix sometime in 2021. So, red light, green light on Dead Endia. Green light. Yeah. Green light. I Sounds got, interesting. I agree. I'm a sol- One, if you're, if you're putting things in a, a theme park, a show in a theme park, you have my attention. Right. If you put, think, put that show in a haunted house in a theme park, you have me in an erection. <laughs> oh, well, that changes things. So, but it's but uh, I like like the idea of we work in this haunted house, in, in this this mechanical haunted house in this uh, theme park, but it's actually haunted. We got to take care of these things. I don't know how far those legs stand, but sure. uh, but it, it's, it's definitely worth a shot. I'm definitely down for a season of it. And it sounds unique enough that it's got potential. Yes, I mean I've not heard of anything exactly like this before right incorporating i mean it's 3d animated sure i'm based on what characters they're discussing and the whole coming of age thing Mm -hmm. it seems to be aimed at a definitely not a like younger audience teens to 20s i'd I'd say tweens to 20s you know let's let's bring it down a little further okay uh people trying to find themselves Let's All make right. it fetus to 20s. Let's, Let's just <laughs> go crazy. Uh, you know what? We do shows for zygotes and zygotes only. That's, that's our, right. That's our we'll angle. bring in the evangelicals. Wow. Right. <laughs> it's, it's under the name of our... What is the name of our uh, production company anyway? Oh, uh, well, which we got it buried under a whole bunch of shell companies. So <laughs> That's right. We have to know. do the tax write-off yeah. properly. Well, we could call ourselves KGB. <laughs> That's uh, that's that's kind of good actually. It's a KGB. <laughs> KGB. Yeah. Who's who's the G and who's the B? I mean, I know I'm the K. Right. Jeff's G. the G. 
<laughs> I can't Je- even say letters right anymore. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's the G. Jeff's the G. I'm the B. You're the B. It's our last names. My well, last name his, is his S. First, his first name and our last right, name. Right, exactly. Well, you're Commander K. That's just your second name. Yeah. But you're Master Torgo. Uh, in in so, this life. So so it should be K-80s T. <laughs> Which is also a good name. Hmm. <laughs> Jeff's not impressed. Let's, let's call our, uh, our production company uh, Zebras to Zygotes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We cover everything from Zebras to Zygotes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go we're, we're full of masses yeah <laughs> you know what let's throw it out the shock monkey shock monkeys oh god oh yeah why don't you send us what our production company we've been doing it for years we don't have a name well you know you just you, you talk like that the irs will hear it <laughs> and then we have to pay all that tax that's you know, sitting in the Cayman Islands for all that money that we didn't make <laughs> off of these things. <laughs> yeah, because that's how the IRS works. <laughs> you didn't make money, so what? Who do you think you are, Trump? <laughs> that's what we'll do. We'll just write him a check for seven fifty. Yeah, seven hundred fifty. You're put it in the memo. Make it yeah. work. So yeah, so if you got a good idea for a production company, yeah, send it oh, our way. God. All right. So green light, dead India. Across the board. Uh, next one, red light, green light. Sony's Pictures Television has acquired the rights to develop Ravenswood Manor, a camp horror soap opera based on a live weekly episodic theater production from writer and comedian Justin Sayer. The show, which ran at Los Angeles' Celebration Theater last fall, is set in a small New England town of Ravensport, Maine, during the spring of 1976. As the country readies itself for the bicentennial celebration, Ravensport welcomes home its most famous daughter, movie star Bettina Doors, who has left Hollywood mysteriously under cover of night and a veil. She returns to her her childhood home of Ravenswood Manor, an heir of the famous Ravenwood sisters, the last women in America to be charged with a crime of witchcraft. Long-buried secrets surface as a series of ridiculous murders begin to unravel the town. Saya says, quote, It was an experiment in episodic theater which allowed the community to feel engaged with the unfolding story of this weird and wonderful world. I loved the camp of the whole thing. It was like living a dream directed by John Waters. Men playing women, women playing men, everyone playing anything they wanted. It felt like the free and fun early days of Saturday Night Live in some ways. And I always wanted it to have that feel, unquote. So, Sony Pictures Television developing Ravenswood Manor into a TV show. I don't know how you would translate that to a TV show, though, because that definitely sounds like a, you know, an interactive theater thing that might get lost right with with some probably what some makes, improv yeah. elements to it they probably have a story they're telling yeah but not necessarily a script that they're following getting there i just fear that you you might lose everything that makes it unique by making it a tv series i see where you're coming from on that hmm i, I like the whole uh comedy horror john waters sure of uh, soap opera what was that uh that uh soap opera with the vampires that they from like the dark 60s, shadows. yeah, dark shadows, that kind of a thing, but even really striking up the camp. Yeah, green light. Yeah, I cautiously green. 
Because, again, I'm still kind of concerned that it's going to lose everything that makes it, you know, You're right. Different. It could lose some of the magic, if you will, in this yeah. one. Oh. Ah, you see what I did. Uh, <laughs> it's... So, so yeah, you're right, Jeff. That is that is my worry. Uh, but there's nothing really like this right now and hasn't right. been for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm kind of uh, struck by the whole Saturday Night Live in some ways, but I yeah. don't think that's how they're going to do this show. Probably not. It's not going to be skit comedy. It's going to be scripted. Oh. But I think it's going to be John Waters style. Can, and we, I, can we have a, a samurai vampire uh, according to this guy, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Samurai vampire played by Kit. Absolutely. <laughs> or a samurai vampire. Samurai vampire. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he can, like, hit Buck Henry in the eye with a sword. <laughs> oh. Samurai fire. Uh, that, now, now I see where he's going. Now you see now where I, I'm going, the heyday of Saturday Night Live. Right. Boy, you're slowing down. Blofeld. Sam, dang. <laughs> he, he's not picking. Wow. Fine. He sounds distracted. Yeah, go ahead and Imagine read the that. next one. Distra- Wait a minute. It's not like he's trying to run a board or read. Oh, or God, I'm sorry. Thank but you, Jeff. Thank you for coming to my defense. So much, so much for during this show. 80s and you, Jeff. And you, you got to do better. He, he, he just, <laughs> his new name is Excuses Jeff. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Well, what do you say? No, we I, got said, attended- I said full green light. That's, oh, you did? Yeah, okay, absolutely. Right, I, I'm behind this. Even though I have the same trepidations about its source material translated to scripted, uh, just in the theme and styling alone, I want to see it work. And I think it could. All right, uh, red light, green light, next one. Amazon Studios is developing a series about a ghost hunter. As in, a ghost that's hunting down the living. Daniel Day Kim's production company 3AD has announced that the studio has brought the original pilot Tether, a supernatural drama written by Kevin Hamdani and Travis Betts. Uh, Tether tells the story of Madeline Woods, a woman hell-bent on finding the people who kidnapped her husband and son and murdered her. Problem is, since Madeline is now a ghost, she's tethered to the house in which she died. So, Madeline must find a way to escape her supernatural prison and save her family. Hamdadi and Betts also serve as showrunners and executive producers. In addition to the series, 3AD is also in talks to develop a graphic novel series set within the same narrative universe. So, there it is. Red light, green light for Tether. Ghost Hunter, but switcheroo Hmm. Eh, green. Sure, why not? I've been kind of racking my brain as to, I mean, what's the closest thing we've seen to something like this, even on a narrative level? Ghost? Ghost, right? yeah. <laughs> and that was good. Yeah. I like Ghost. Ghost, is, that's, that's, a fun, that's a fun world to explore. I, the, the abilities and limitations of a spirit of vengeance. I guess. And you're not so uh, so <laughs> well, 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 when you started and you said ghost hunters, but it's a ghost, I'm... I was thinking of a ghost, you know, on TV going, so we're going to see, are there any live people in this house? <laughs> and then they go in this house and, you know, uh, so his, maybe maybe his, they find some heroin junkie squatters or, you know. His preconceived idea ruined the idea that was on the page. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go for, yeah, I'll see. <laughs> well, which yeah. of those two ideas do you like better? 
his idea. I, I kind of like mine. <laughs> <laughs> Could you get a whole series out of that? Uh, or just like a one-off shot? <laughs> what ghost hunter... They make series out of that shit, so why can't we? Fine point. It'll be just a scripted. Um, <laughs> exactly. A ghost walking through a room. Oh, oh, I that felt warm. See the ghost. Did you feel the warmth? The ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that was that spot right there is very warm. Well, that's where the fireplace is. Right, but feel the warmth. The ghosts can't see the living, mm. right? So they see. Do you smell cigarette smoke? Yeah, really. What's that? What's that? <laughs> Wait a minute, did the bathroom door just close? Why'd it just close? <laughs> on its own. Did you hear of toilet flushed? Why'd the toilet flush? What's taking so long in the shower? What's this white goop? <laughs> <laughs> See? See? There's potential. There is potential. I'm just saying. I, I take it back. I green light his idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. I'll, you know. I, I, I tended to green just because, you know, okay. <laughs> He's just so disappointed that it wasn't his idea. Yeah, <laughs> you know. that, that's it's, I I I like both ideas. I'll fund both. <laughs> They're both good. So green light on on this uh, uh, this tethered. It's I think there's a, a neat narrative story there. I mean, it's going to be the the standard of solving the mystery. Sure, but I love the constraints of the the swayziness about it. All right, we got <laughs> time for one more. Time for one more. Yes, right. Is, with, Uno mas. In, interesting title. That's right. Green light on title alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, red light, green light. Okay. Emma Roberts is starring in First Kill, an upcoming vampire series at Netflix. Roberts will produce the show, which is based on a short story by Victoria V.E. Schwab, who serves as creator, writer, and executive producer of the one-hour series. Uh, Felicia, uh, Felicia D. Henderson... That's uh, who was the showrunner for The Punisher, is the writer and showrunner sh- runner for all eight episodes. First Kill can be found in Vampires Never Get Old, Tales with Fresh Bite, an anthology of vampire-inspired short stories edited by Natalie Parker and Zoraida Cordova. The story involves Juliet, a young vampire about to va- drain her first victim so she can take her place among the powerful family of bloodsuckers. Juliet targets a new girl in town named uh, Calliope, but soon learns that her intended victim is from a long line of vampire hunters. Quote, both find that the other won't be so easy to kill, and unfortunately, way too easy to fall for. Unquote. Aww. So, gentlemen, first kill. Red light, green light. Hmm. I think I seriously think the vampire thing's been done to death as far as TV series go. I, I, obviously, they don't think so out in TV yeah. land because how many vampire pitches have we gotten on this thing over I the know. last year of doing this? That's what I'm saying. But you I didn't mean, say we were doing pictures. You said TV shows. That's what I meant. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. This 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 one doesn't speak to me, so I'm going to be a, a red light. Oh, damn. All right, there it is. Uh, how about you, Kay? What do you think about uh, um, vampire falls in love with vampire hunter, uh, and vice versa? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's very tepid. Uh, yeah. Sure. Tepid green. Tepid green. That's a that's a gross color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm kind of there with you on it. Uh, I have not really watched much in the way of vampire stuff. 
or read really much in the way of vampire books, except for when uh, I was made to read Dracula for the uh, book club oh, last you year. poor thing. It was awful. What? Uh, not the book, but being forced to read that. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I blame you, Professor. I know it's your fault. I know what you did. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but no, that's really the only vampire story I've read in years, and of course it's the original one when it comes down to it. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not saying I'm starving for a vampire story, but I'm starting to become uh, susceptible to the idea again because it's it's been long enough. Okay. So now, of all the vampire series that have been pitched for Red Light Green Light, I will say this doesn't interest me a whole heck of a lot. No. Uh, I do like the uh, vampire, the masqueradeness about it, with the the vampires as the secret power behind things, and they're actually the the high beast on the totem pole that mm-hmm. runs society, and somebody that wants learns about it wants to join it, and then finds out that the person that they're going to take in is a de- destroyer of that group. We uh, need a vampire, the masquerade TV series. Uh, they did one. No, no, no. We need a Vampire the Masquerade TV series. <laughs> <laughs> they kept the names. There were Ventru in it. Yeah. They were Gangrel. Sort of. <laughs> Except the Gangrel were more like Bruja, and the Bruja were kind of yeah, like, they, who they, the fuck were they? That's a good and, point. And, no, it was terrible. And the Nosferatu was really... Now, I know you said this is eight episodes, but is it is it a limited series, or no. is it... No, it's okay. It's going to be an ongoing. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with red. All right. And a tentative green from UK. Tepid. Uh, falling in love with your prey thing has always been kind of a catch thing for me. Like when we did the uh, the red light green light a while back ago, that was the people being thrown into nightmares, and if you die in your nightmare, then you're you're dead for real. The whole Freddy kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and but then it ended with the thing. And, but then they fall in love with their captor that has put them in this thing. And I'm like, uh-huh. can, can we not fall in love yeah. with the things that want to destroy us? I realize there's probably a, something thematic in that. Well, it's like a twisted Helsinki like syndrome. A, like a political allegory? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's... Uh, I'm enough, I've had enough with abusive relationships for a while. So let's put it that way in, in stories, all right? Yeah, well. Oh, you mean in stories. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, in stories. <laughs> yeah, in stories. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I meant. Uh, so based that on, I'm, I'm receptive to vampires, but I don't think I'm receptive to this one. Red light. Red light, that's where it is. Right on. Uh, what do you think? Uh, write to us. Comments at uglycouchshow.com and uh, give us a name. For our production company, because I don't think zebra, Zebras and Zygotes is going to make it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of like it. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Thanks for tuning in. We always appreciate you stopping by. Tune in next week. Wait, do we actually tune anymore? Do, 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 no. <laughs> Even radios barely tune anymore. Right. They just auto-tune. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 so do the songs on it, so it's <laughs> That's so. true. Everybody there loves Jeffrey. Toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. Toot toot. <laughs>